Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. And of course, I got my co-host Matt here with me once again. Matt, we are here to review a Jets win four in a row. The Jets are five and two. I don't think anybody could have imagined this before the season. And I think it's important, despite some very, very soul-crushing injuries and some worrying play from Zach Wilson, that the Jets are doing better than expected. Playoffs are a very real possibility. And I just want to start the show by being a little positive and taking all things into consideration, living in the moment and enjoying it while it's here. The Jets are the third best record in the AFC, and that's pretty darn cool. That is very cool. Uh, yeah, nobody could have seen this coming. Uh, and the fact that we're here is uh, really a testament to how this team has built themselves up and how the coaches have instilled their never give up a mantra. And they haven't given up. And now are they, they're not in positions where they are coming back from behind and need miracles to win. Now they're in positions of power with mostly leading throughout uh, the last three games. I think I, I, I don't have the times yep. in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they've had uh, a lead for almost 90 or 80%. Of yeah. I can give you the stat. Actually, I Please. heard it from um, Michael floor uh, earlier today, actually in his press conference where over, I think it's the last four games that they've only been trailing for 25 minutes. Wow. That's, and that's so 20, 240 <laughs> minutes of game time total. And they've only been trailing for 25 minutes. That's wild. And that that's such a stark difference than where this team was last year uh, or even where it was to start the year. Uh, so the fact that we're where we are right now is incredible. It really is. And I think as we said the week before with Green Bay, but I think right again, we have to say it again this week. There's two units on this team that are doing their jobs to a very high level, and that's the defense and the special teams. And both of those units deserve all the praise in the world for how they've played over the last couple of weeks, really securing wins for this team in a lot of ways. When the offense was struggling and things necessarily weren't looking as well as they possibly could have, you have a defense that didn't give up any points in the second half. You have a kicker in Greg Zerline, who in a very windy day in Denver doesn't miss any kicks. You have a punter in Braden Mann, who's bombing punts all over the place, setting up good field position, allowing that defense to continue to thrive. You know, these two units really stuck out. And the really important thing for me is these are units and parts of football that are going to carry and translate into the postseason if and when the Jets make it. You need to be able to win with your defense. You need to be able to win on special teams. My co-host on the Believe in Jets show, Lamont Jordan, former Jet running back himself, has talked all season about winning two of the three battles, being either winning offense, defense, or special teams, the three areas of football, winning two of the three of those in the matchup for the game, and you're very likely to win. It's an old Herm uh, Edwards quote, quote from when Herm Edwards was the Jets coach. And that's what's really stuck out to me over these last two weeks, is you had the defense and special teams win in 
back-to-back weeks and really secure the game and keep things in check for the Jets to be able to go out and get wins when the offense wasn't necessarily backing them up. That's winning football and that's playoff football. And that makes me excited for the future if the offense can get things cleaned up. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, these two units have really showed up. Uh, I don't know if uh, missed a field goal and missed point after are really wins for our special teams, but uh, they definitely helped in, in the end. Right, but uh, our kicker didn't miss, and our that's a win for miss. our special teams. That's a win, exactly. And man, I think he had two, oh, he, he had one that definitely was uh, down on the one-yard line. I think he had another two that just trickled into the end zone, but could have possibly. Uh, yeah, it, it's been a great showing by these two units. And yeah, the offense is, is really the only concern right now. Uh, and it's only getting more concerning because, as we all know, uh, Hall and, and Vera Tucker are now out for the season. We are without arguably our two best offensive weapons. Uh, so it's, it's, it's troublesome, but at the same time, there's still hope because we still have a very talented team uh, from front to back. Uh, the, of course, the, the biggest concern right now is the offensive line. Where will this offensive line be? Yeah, that is the big question. And I think that is the first place to start is it, it's impossible to replace a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker, first and foremost. To have a guy as talented as he is, be able to start at four different positions within five or six weeks in the NFL after training at a new position that he had never played before, again, all training camp and spent his rookie year playing a different position than he played in college and be an all pro caliber offensive lineman practically for the time that he was playing is irreplaceable. And it's very important. I think for everybody to remember that. And if things don't necessarily go as well and whoever AVT's replacement ends up being or sticking, whether it's a whether it's Remmers eventually, whether it's Mitchell, when he gets healthy or Fant when he gets healthy, if that happens apparently, or someone Joe Douglas trades for, you know, whoever it's going to be is not going to be Elijah Vera Tucker. So I think we need to all temper our expectations and remember that and understand that this is a hard loss and also understand that the Jets are five and two, despite losing arguably now their five best offensive tackles at the one point to injury. And I don't know how many other teams would be able to get two wins, let alone five with that sort of uh, situation. So hopefully as they've done all year, they can find a way to pivot. They can find a way to play with the next man up mentality and find just enough of a way to get it done because they have a big matchup coming up this week against the Patriots with a lot of blitzes and a lot of tough rushers inside. And you also have, of course, Matt Judon on the edge, who's leading the NFL in sacks. So it's going to be a tough task and whoever ends up being the right tackle. I think right now it's expected to be a boy. they're going to have to hold their own and the rest of the offensive line is going to have to make up in their place because Elijah Vera Tucker is a one of a kind. He really is. And we saw the result of losing the amount of talent that we have along that offensive line. We saw Zach really facing a, a really good Broncos defense that was bearing down on him all game, uh, whether it was free rushers uh, or just run-of-the-mill pressure. He was under it all, all game. Uh, and a lot of these plays, he just really never had a chance uh, but to say that that was uh, the reason for his ales uh, in the uh, the passing games ales last game is not telling the whole truth because he had a bad game regardless of of that pressure. Uh, I think it's comfortable. We I can comfortably say that he had a bad game. Uh, I am in no way saying that he is hopeless. Uh, because again, this was against a very good Denver defense, and the week before against a very good Green Bay passing defense. Uh, these two teams showed up wanting to take away Zach, and they did. They succeeded. It was the only we were only able to win off of the graces, the good graces of our defense, our run game, and our special teams. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the question on everybody's mind over these past couple of days after the game on Sunday. What's wrong with Zach and what needs to be done for him to improve for this offense to reach the potential that everyone knows it has where Joe Flacco wasn't playing very well and they were leading the league in passing yards practically over the first couple of weeks with him starting. 
So if Zach Wilson can play somewhat competent with the skill talent that they have, hopefully they should be able to perform just as well, if not better. But like you said, they just went against two very, very talented passing defenses. They had issues at wide receiver with Corey Davis getting hurt and likely not playing again this week, which is going to be cause for concern. They were down Elijah Moore to start with. That's two starting receivers out having to be replaced. You have a run game that outside of one big run by Brees Hall was not really non-existent for most of the day. And you had a defense that was constantly messing with the protection scheme and getting free rushers on the quarterback constantly. This was a recipe for disaster where that's a really tough situation for any quarterback to survive in. And I want to be very clear when we talk about this, that all of that can be true. And that doesn't mean that I'm sitting here saying that that excuses the problems that Zach had and means that he did not have a bad game when he did. It wasn't a good game from him. And that's okay. It wasn't a horrendous, awful, four interception, terrible disaster like we've seen sometimes in his rookie year and from plenty other Jets quarterbacks over time. He still hasn't turned the ball over in the last three games. I think that's important. There might have been times where he came close and that needs to be improved. But in the same vein, there was a lot of times when he was getting instantly pressured and has a free rusher in his face immediately and he's able to spin out of it and run around and eventually throws the ball away. Even if you would like him to do it sooner or even if you would like him to find somebody downfield to throw to, he's turning what would be a sack for most quarterbacks into a a wash. And that counts for something as well. But the number one problem with him and it's been a question going all the way back to when he was a prospect at BYU, is him handling pressure. And when the pass protection isn't there for him, can he still produce? Can he still keep his eyes downfield? Can he still complete passes? Can he use all of his natural talent and gifts and his ability to move and evade pressure and make people miss and avoid sacks? I remember I said it a few weeks ago, Matt, I think it was after the Pittsburgh game where I was saying, I I can't believe how effective he is at making people miss and not getting sacked because it seems like he should be sacked so often. And yet somehow he extends plays forever. He's still doing that. And that's a skill at this point. It's not something that's just luck. It's a talent that he has. He needs to be able to harness it and use that to take advantage of what the defense is going to give up when plays extend and when coverage breaks down. When you look at his passing splits right now, it's incredible where he's an absolutely fantastic quarterback when he's not pressured and he's completing, I think 70% of his passes are close to it. He's got most of his passing yards. He's got his only touchdown. hasn't thrown any interceptions and his yards per attempt is like top 10 in the league. And he's doing really well. And then you look at him when he's pressured and he's like the 31st ranked quarterback and the he's completing 12% of his passes, 32nd, excuse me, even worse. He's completing 12% of his passes against pressure. That's horrendous. That is not, that is not good enough in the NFL and the NFL is a quarterback. You are going to get pressured. You are going to have to deal with it at some point. Offensive linemen get hurt all the time. The jets are seeing that firsthand. They've seen it from the year before every team in the league deals with offensive lineman injuries because those guys are getting into car crashes a hundred times a game. It's inevitable as an NFL quarterback, you have to be able to navigate the pocket. You have to be able to know where your lanes of escape are. You have to be able to keep your eyes downfield. When you roll out, you have to be able to step up in the pocket. And when the lane opens up right in front of you, if you're not going to run maneuver enough to find a throwing lane, that's being a pro quarterback. And when everything's kept clean for you, having the opportunity to turn around and, and throw laser in cuts over the middle and let guys run for 40 yards. That's awesome. We love that. We don't want to, like get rid of that by any means, but we also need to see the play from the pocket under pressure, being able to throw stand tough in the pocket when someone's coming at you and still keep your mechanics clean and throw accurately. I thought this was one of his worst games of his career when it came to handling pressure. And he's only going to see more of it this week in new England. It's quite frankly, this was his 17th start, which would qualify as a full, you know, first year of playing, even though it's a year and a uh, half into his second year with the time he missed to start the season any time he missed in the middle of the year last year he's not a rookie anymore technically going into this week this week starts year two i'm not holding anything back yes you're dealing with things on the offensive line losing abt is irreplaceable like i said that counts for something no Brees hall counts for something 
but you still have a bunch of talent on this offense. Matt, we spent a lot of time over the summer talking about how talented this skill group was. Losing one guy shouldn't change that. If this group is as talented as we believe it is, then we shouldn't need Brees Hall to carry them. We shouldn't need to trust that our running back that's a rookie needs to go and outproduce some of the most talented guys that we think we've had on this team in a very long time. We signed two tight ends in free agency at the top of the market. It's time for them to step up. It's time for Michael Carter, who is the solid starting running back that we expected before Brees Hall got drafted, to step up and fill the role. Joe Douglas knows what this is. Joe Douglas is not backing down, and he knows that this team can win now. That's why he went out and traded for James Robinson. And he didn't just say, well, we'll stick with the guys we like and give Bam Knight an opportunity and, you know, we'll be okay and we'll get them next year. He said, no, we're good. We're five and two. We're trying to win. We're right in the thick of it. And we can go and make a move to keep things rolling. Let's go win. The rest of the team needs to step up. That starts with Zach Wilson for me. I'm not holding any excuses for him. If you're the number two pick in the draft, go and prove it. Yeah, really? (laughs) Because last game, it was absolutely horrendous. The one that sticks out the most to me. It was this one play where uh, he uh, drops back. He's got some inside pressure coming uh, and he's got Garrett Wilson wide open and he sees him on the corner route, right on the corner route. And he sees him. And instead of just stepping up and fired in there, his eyes just turns into a runner. He starts looking at the line. He sees the pressure and he just goes into bounce mode, just trying to bounce around and he misses a huge play there. Uh, and it's just a comfort thing. He just doesn't look comfortable under pressure or just even in his own body. He looks like he's trying to squirm his way out of his own body when he's under pressure. Uh, and it looks, it, it seems like that way too, when he's, uh, when those free runners and he's just spinning around, he's just spinning in his head. He, he can't see anything downfield. There could be guys wide open right in front of him. I don't think he would ever really see them. I think no, he's, he's not so busy. He's not looking. He's so busy just doing his thing of avoiding that there's nothing outside of that. And when you have that, yeah, sure, you're going to get plays where there's going to be a wash. He might throw it away. Uh, but at the same time, there's no progress either. When you look at some of the best quarterbacks under pressure, they will evade and they keep their eyes downfield. They keep their composure and they're always looking to make a play and not just evade. Uh, he's got one half of the formula down. Now it's the other half that he needs to really step it up, put it into gear. Yeah, no, absolutely. The The play that stuck out for me, and I remember texting you about this live while, we were, while the game was going on, He's throwing to a wide open CJ Uzama over the middle on one of their classic little play action tight end pop passes on the glance route that goes right over behind the linebackers. And I'm pretty sure it was like a second and three and they're re- looking to move the chains and keep a drive going. And Uzama's wide open and all he has to do is just put it on it. It's not a far throw. It's probably 15 yards max. He doesn't need to lead him downfield. He doesn't need to try and you know do anything fancy. Just get the ball on him while he's wide open. Let him catch it. Let him turn the corner and run. And he's got a free runner coming at him. I'm pretty sure it wasn't an immediate you know free rusher off the snap, but I think someone missed a block or someone got beat, and he's got a guy coming into his face. He's got time to throw. He's got the ability to stand tall stand in the pocket, set his feet, make this easy throw to Uzama. It's not like he needs to drive into it 45 yards downfield and put everything in his back leg and and whip his arm. He really doesn't even need to, to throw all of his hips into it and throw that hard. He just needs to do that to keep his accuracy and guide the football with his arm, and it's going to be a big play. And yet he drifts and he drifts and he throws off his back foot and the ball sails over Uzama's head. And then they go back on the sideline, and I don't – I'm interpreting what I think I was reading between the two of them as the camera showed a clip of them back on the sideline discussing what had happened. It might've been on a third down actually when they went off. I'm not entirely sure, but either way it was a crucial down and they're communicating. And it looks like Zach saying, Oh, I was trying to lead you upfield. I was trying to throw it up and you were open and there was room. I was trying to already like guide you that way. And it was a miscommunication on that. Even if that's what he was trying to do, I don't like the decision of it because the guy's wide open and it's a crucial down. Just get it to him. The best thing you can do is get him the ball while he has the separation. 
floating it and giving the defender time to run under and undercut it isn't going to help. Even then you missed it completely. So that's, that's the problem is he has to learn to stand tall in the pocket and navigate when things get tight around him and make throws. And the important thing about this, Matt, that we have to remember is that there's evidence of him doing it before. It's rare. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's consistent and that's been the biggest problem, but we've seen it happen in various games. We saw it at the end of the Pittsburgh game. We saw it in the Tampa uh, Tampa Bay game at the end of the season the year before. I think we saw a little bit of it when he played against the Titans. I remember seeing multiple examples of it on his tape at BYU, even though he dealt with good pass protection. There were also examples of the problems that we've seen as well. And that's where he really needs to clean up. The good thing is, I think that a lot of the other issues that we had with him are starting to work themselves out. I think he's taken better care of the football. I think he's a little more understanding of his offense. I think he's still got a good ability to avoid sacks and evade pressure. It's just handling being an efficient quarterback and running your system and staying on schedule despite pressure coming at you. That's how you win in the NFL. Yeah. And I can't stress enough, like how important it is to take care of the football and not turn it over. If you can do that, that's, that's a, a, a huge part of what it takes to win because winning the, the turnover differential is, comes into play countless times. And if we win that, you usually win the game. I, I, I always hear commentators say that, oh, well, if you win the, the turnover battle, you're, you're probably going to win the game. And so far, we have. And it's, it's showing up in the, in the win-loss column. Uh, he has all the ability in the world. He just needs to trust himself. Uh, to use that ability. Uh, and we haven't even seen the best of him yet. And I, we know it's possible. We're hoping for it. And this would be a great week to do it too. Yeah, it really would. He's going to have a big test. This is, if you want to be a successful quarterback for the jets, you got to beat the Patriots when they're down bad and it matters for you for the playoffs. If there was ever a time to go win over this fan base for the rest of the year, if not the rest of however long, go be the second overall pick that beats Bill Belichick and sets the Jets up at six and two and continues to be undefeated as a starter. That'll catapult you to success. That'll dust off most of the criticism. The fans will love you again. You won't be facing the do that. Does the team trust Zach Wilson or, or he's terrible and they need to be looking at other quarterbacks or he's holding them back. That'll all be gone. You have the opportunity to do it this week. And the number one advice I can give him for any sort of quarterback dealing with this, this very, very tough issue. It's so hard to replicate dealing with live pressure in practice when guys are actually trying to take your head off when, you know, you're it's full speed and it's not people taking care of each other, like a practice environment. It's so much different to replicate that as a quarterback. So when it comes down to it, you have to go back to trusting your mechanics. And so I think it's repetition, it's muscle memory, it's making sure that you are as crisp and as clean as possible so that when everything is breaking down, you don't have to be thinking about getting your body right. Your body's going to work for you and you can let your brain operate on top of that. That's what I'm hoping to see from him, because I think we've seen the pressure get into his head and that's caused his mechanics to get a little sloppy and everything just goes downhill from there. If he can get his mechanics clean, I think he can be okay. That's the big if, though. It's a huge if. Where's John Beck when you need him, man? (laughs) We haven't seen consistency since what BYU. So, and even there, I'd argue we saw some consistency at the end of the season. Uh, All right, yeah, and you know what? There's something to say about that because a lot of what we saw at the end of the season last year uh, kind of spilled into this year, where it's more of a game manager role. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really taking a lot of risks uh, and that's, that's followed him. And maybe there's something to say about how that has affected him mentally, where he's kind of toned things down so much and that he's worried about a lot of things. Now he's worried about a lot more than he did starting his career. And he's not playing as free and loose as maybe we need him to be, to have that confidence in himself. So it's kind of maybe a, a, a catch-22. Either we have reckless Zach, who's going to take risks, but also have may- maybe more confidence in himself to, and his ability. Uh, or we have game manager uh, Zach, who, who uh, 
doesn't take the risks and doesn't have confidence in himself. I would like to think that there's a way we can get both, but until we see it, it doesn't exist. Right now it is a little bit of the, the jackal and hide, but I think to be completely and totally fair, again, not trying to save Zach Wilson from any criticism from what was a bad game, but I think it's also fair to point out that this, these have been games where I said at the beginning of the show, the Jets have won with their defense and special teams. Maybe that's giving him more incentive not to take the risk. Maybe that's giving him more incentive to not be looking as much for the big play because he knows his defense is playing well. They're playing with a lead. Their special teams is is playing fantastic. Their kicker, I can't remember the last time Zerline's missed a kick. Uh, it's been, I think he might have had, did they have a punt was a blocked or a last, field goal blocked? Or a 54-yarder. Okay, so a very long yeah. kick in Green Bay with some tough conditions. Outside of that, he's been lights out. He was lights out in Denver. They have an opportunity to win games where they don't need him to be reckless and go out and be the crazy flashy guy. They just need him to manage the game, get them in good position. And if they have to settle for a field goal, that's fine. Their defense is going to keep them in it back right back. And their special teams is going to make sure they have good field position if they punt. I think that's a part of this. And I think that it's important to take note of the fact that Zach Wilson doesn't care if that's how he has to play to win games. And this is kind of where I want to end with this. Does he need to improve? Absolutely. Are there things that he needs to clean up so that the Jets can continue to win and hopefully win in the future in the postseason? 110%. He, they will not be a, a, have any postseason success if he continues to play the way he's playing right now. But they are still playing winning football, and he is not costing them games, and the Jets have won four in a row. And they're looking that's all primed. That matters. That's all that matters. Like that's at the end of the day, that's the important thing is that I can legitimately say, and I think you'll agree with this, Matt, Zach Wilson did nothing to cost them the game against the Denver Broncos. I don't think there was at any point where there was any ungodly horrendous plays from him that were so egregiously terrible that if it would have went a different way that, they should have lost. I think he absolutely could have been better so that they would have won by multiple scores. But I don't think that there was a situation where I'm sitting there going, man, they got out of there by their skin of their teeth. And, you know, Zach had seven interceptions that were dropped and they got so lucky and, and he was awful and he should have cost them the game. Like that wasn't my takeaway. And I would hope you would agree with that. Uh, Maybe that, that spin move where he almost fumbled it. That, that's that about the one. Yeah, that's about the one you can say. That's probably the only one. But yeah, if you can get away with one of those a game, I think that's that's special because, hey, how, how many turnover worthy plays do the most quarterbacks usually have? Probably like one or two. Uh, and usually if they miss, they, they're missing in a position where if they do miss, it's not going to hurt them as much. So the fact that if we can only get away with one bad play like that, I, I consider that a win. Yeah, I think so too. And I hope in the future that it, we'll continue to see more good plays and not just stalemates and not, you know, hold our breath moments and hope for the best, but we'll start to see him take advantage of all this talent. And I really think this is a good week for him to do it. And I think that's a, a really good transition for us to look ahead to a huge matchup with the Patriots. Uh, and this is where I want to start. Getting to six and two ahead of the Buffalo game is so huge for this team. I can't understate it. It's not likely they're going to beat Buffalo. Buffalo looks like one of the best teams in the league right now. Their offense and defense are both towards, if not one, two at the top of the league. They're a juggernaut. So if you win this game and you lose to Buffalo and you go into your bye week at six and three, you have some very winnable games at the end of the season to position yourself for a by far well enough record to secure a wild card spot. On top of that, you guarantee at least a head-to-head split with New England and Miami. You have already beaten Miami once. You beat New England this week. You guarantee you've already beaten them once. At worst, head-to-head direct record, you can tie both of them. If you can outpace them in direct overall record or AFC record, there's a good chance that you're going to be able to get in over a wild-card seed. And with the expanded playoffs right now, with three teams coming in per conference as a wild-card, there's even more of a chance than ever. If you lose this game and you lose to Buffalo, 
and you're five and four going into the bye, now you're really clawing for some some tough games and what you might have to steal some games you aren't necessarily expected to win. And you might be getting in on the skin of your teeth or you could see a situation where the jets go nine and eight and are the eighth seed and miss it out. And I, I really think that that's unavoidable and that you can springboard yourself to a playoff berth. If you can win this game, get uh, two weeks ahead of the bye week I, I think it's huge. Oh yeah. It can't be understated how huge this is. Uh, We've seen games this year where we're like, okay, they've handled, uh, the, can they handle success? And then they handle success. Uh, then can they do it again? And then they do it again. Then they do it again. Can they handle uh, controversy? I thought that last week's game was a must win because of the Moore situation and mm-hmm. how if we didn't win that game, then you know what? Maybe people start to say, oh, well, it was great when we were winning, but now that we lost the game, do they still feel the same? Uh, But then we won that one. So now's the time to really just make the even bigger statement, bigger statement than we've already made so far, quieting the the critics uh, and really just stick it to a division rival uh, that's been torturing us for over a decade uh, and really just put our names on the map again, even though a lot of people uh, uh, are really counting us out. Just, just put it to all of them. This is who we are. We're here to stay. And if you, if you don't like it, beat us. I think, yeah, I agree. I, I think there's more bulletin board material for this game so far than any other game in the season. And it's not even close. You have a a thrashing, I think, 54 to 13, if I'm remembering correctly, of a final score last year against the Patriots. You had Jeff Ulbrich talk about that today in his press conference, where it seemed like he was trying to say every coach speak, not give out anything or give anything to be quoted answer of saying, yeah, we remember and we're pissed about it and we're looking to get back at him. All of the playoff potential implications surrounding this game. You have the fact that the Jets are five and two and the Patriots are two and five and the Jets are two and a half point home underdogs based on the spread. You have all that is wild. They were one and a half point underdogs on the road against Denver. Now they go home against a team that just got their butts kicked on national TV to the Chicago bears at home in the new England Patriots. And somehow on the road now with quarterback controversy for the first time in forever in new England, they're two and a half point road favorites. I get it's bill Belichick. I get it's the jets, but there's a lot of ammo for this team to be pissed off and be looking to make a statement. And at the same time, the Patriots are going to be coming out full swing as well. They just got embarrassed. Belichick's got his back to the wall. They're two and five. Like I just said, they lose this game to the jets. Goodbye playoffs two and six, and you already lost one. You're, you're, you've already lost two to a two division rivals. I don't know if they've played Buffalo yet. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I know they lost to Miami earlier in the year. You lose to the jets too. Mm-hmm. You're down. Oh, two in the division at two and six. You're cooked. You're done. That's it. Pack it in. Dude, say goodbye to the postseason. Your, your season ends. The second week 18 is over. This is a crucial game for them as well. So I think first point and Matt, I'd love to know where you're going to start here. I think we need to talk about the defense before we can talk about the offense, because this team is living through their defense first and foremost right now. The Patriots offense has been effective at times, but is also having times of struggling. They're dealing with some injuries. They're dealing with some speculation at quarterback. Mac Jones is expected to start, but I'll believe it when I see it dealing with Belichick. Who knows what's going to go down uh, on Sunday with this Patriots offense. But for me, first and foremost with the defense, it starts with stopping the run. I expect Bill Belichick to want to win this game on the ground. And with the way the Jets are being able to stop the run this year, they're only averaging 3.5 yards a carry, which is the third best mark in the league. I think this is a good matchup for them offensively. you got to be able to stop the run. Do not let Ramondre Stevenson beat you. Otherwise, you're going to have a long day. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be difficult, too, because traditionally the Patriots usually have great offensive lines. Uh, they have Michael Unwanu. They still have Trent Brown. Uh, they have Cole Strange, who we loved in the draft process. Yep. Uh, but they won't will most likely be without David Andrews, their center, uh, which I think is huge because 
they'll most likely be uh, whoever is replacing him is most likely going to be tasked with stopping the all-world Quinn and Williams. So it's going to be a difficult task. And if we can win up front in the middle, that's going to be big because if we can get uh, Mac Jones or whoever's starting Zappy uh, on on the run or uh, bailing out, I think that's a huge win. Uh, and if we could take Stevenson uh, ability to, to pound it up the middle and force him outside or force him to be a receiver, that's also a win. I, but he, that's going to be hard in its own, in its own right, stopping Stevenson as a, as a receiver. Uh, it's, I think that's kind of where they're going to want to just feed it through Stevenson, whether it's on the ground or in the air. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Bill Belichick is going to want to let Ramondre Stevenson and his defense win this game. And I think if you're the Jets, the number one thing that you have to do is beat Bill Belichick at his own game. Belichick is going to want to take away what you do best and he's going to want to make you do something different. Well, if the Patriots are going to want to run the ball and play defense, then take away their ability to run the ball and score enough on offense so that they can't just play the defenses that they want to play. Generate enough explosives so that you back them out of their blitzes. Stop their run game early and often. And I think a good way to do that is play single high. Bring Jordan Whitehead down into the box. I'm not scared of this receiving core. Devontae Parker is having a very good season, averaging a lot of yards per catch but I think it's mainly on contested catches. And I think sauce Gardner is the perfect guy to stop that. And uh, I'm confident that with our secondary, with how they're playing, that they should be able to do a good job holding up against what I think is not that great of a Patriots receiving core. Certainly not as talented as the one they faced in Denver last week. I think you can play a little risky on the back end, trust your secondary to hold up in some one-on-ones and see if, you can stop the run at all cost. Take away the Patriots run game. Make them one dimensional. Make them have to throw. Make Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi or Devontae Parker or Kendrick Bourne or Jacoby Myers beat you. I'm not sure that they can do that all game. I'm not sure that that's how they want to play. And if you get into a situation where you have a backup center in a passing situation on third and long against Quinnen Williams, I don't think the Patriots definitely don't want to do that. So I'm confident that you have to sell out to stop the run defensively. I think it starts there. And like you said, dealing with Stevenson in the backfield as a receiver, I agree. I think this is the perfect time to run a little bit of some, some different tendencies on defense with your zone coverages, where maybe you have Whitehead aligned like he's going to be the curl flat player, and you have Quincy aligned like he's going to be one of the hook zone linebackers, and then you have them switch responsibilities at the snap. And if you have... Quincy playing on the inside and he starts leaking out to the flat to cover in the curl flat. And you have Whitehead come from the other angle and he picks up Stevenson as the running back directly. And it makes the quarterback hitch and hesitate because they're not sure who's picking him up. Any little wrinkle you can do to take that away, I think is important. But if you have Whitehead in the box, it's going to go a long way to allowing you to do that. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it'll either be Stevenson or Hunter Henry. Uh, I don't think they're going to want to test our corners. Uh, many have tried, many have failed. It's kind of a losing battle. So yeah, if the if they're gonna beat us at all, it's gonna be in the middle. They're gonna try to maybe expose our linebackers in coverage uh, against uh, Stevenson and and Henry. Uh, other than that, yeah, I think we can pretty much lock down everything else. I've run away from Quinnen as much as possible. If we can get JJ back this week, that will be big. Uh, yep. to have his uh, uh, presence on the edge again. Uh, so we'll bottle him up on the outside, and then we have Q on and Rankins in the middle. It's it, We have the weapons available to stop them, no matter what they want to do. Yeah, we really do. And on top of that, a lot of the Patriots' biggest explosive plays in the passing game this year have come off play action and mass, uh, max protect situations you can't really have an effective max protect situation. If your run game isn't working, you need the defense to fall for the run game to have all those guys blocking where if you're only having two guys out in the route and you got six defensive backs back covering or six defenders back covering, you got to make sure that everyone's falling for that run fake. Otherwise it's going to be blanketed and there's going to be nowhere to go with the ball. If you can't run the ball, no one's going to fall for that max protection fake. So I think it's it really plays into their hand entirely to just sell out and stop the run at all costs. 
take away the threat of the run game early so that you can't fall victim to the max protection passes later where you're hoping your secondary can pick off some deep throws with some underthrows by either Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. I really think that they have an advantage, quite honestly. Offense versus defense, Patriots offense versus Jets defense. I like the Jets defense in this matchup significantly more. I do as well. Yeah, and no matter who their quarterback is, I I, I see us with a, a true advantage here. Uh, and I we our pass rush was kind of asleep last week against a worse offensive line. Uh, but then, you know what? I thought we would be have a little trouble against Green Bay, and we ended up getting a lot more pressure against Green Bay. So, you know what? This, this pass rush sometimes uh, finds weird spots to come alive. And that Denver really area can be after. tough, and I yeah, think that I, might have something thing. to do with it. As I know Sauce was saying after the game in his postgame that it was hard for him to breathe and that he was, you know, huffing and puffing by the end of it. And I can only imagine, you know, someone as wiry and athletic and and freakish as Sauce Gardner, if he's huffing and puffing, what's 270-pound Michael Clemens feeling? Exactly. Uh, it's and but and again, we, we mentioned this before the history of uh these two teams and last year's score. Uh this defense has something to prove. They they were slighted in a big way last year. Uh, they have the bulletin board material at their backs. This is the game where they can make a statement and really show that they've exercised some demons. Yeah, it really is. And I think they're going to have an opportunity to do so. I, I think they're going to be licking their chops for the opportunity to play this Patriots offense. I think they're going to be coming downhill a little bit harder. I think they're going to be looking to to throw their pads with a little more ferocity than normal. I'm really excited to see what this defense does. I think they're going to have a good day. And I think that brings us to the next point, which is the offense. Quite honestly, the Jets offense versus the Patriots defense, I think the game is won and lost by this matchup. If the Jets offense can be effective, if they can, as we'll talk uh, talk about, Matt, if they can generate some explosive plays, I really think that they have a chance to win this game. I think they're the more talented team, but it all comes down to their offense being able to be explosive early on and back the Patriots out of their blitzes. Yeah, uh, we need to expose their aggression, and they're going to be aggressive because we've said before with the the splits with Zach Wilson, when he's under pressure, bad things happen, uh, and that's what they're going to want to do. They're going to want to generate as much pressure as possible. And the best way to do that blitz, whether it's an all out blitz or corner blitzes, they're going to, or find some kind of exotic blitz. They're going to do it. They're going to try and do it as much as possible and early. And because if it works, they're just going to keep doing it. So we need to attack it, attack it full strength and know it's coming. We know that it's coming, that they're going to do this. So that gives us kind of an advantage in that we know what to look for and we to game plan around it. Uh, right now, it's just a matter of can we do anything about it? Can this offensive line bear down, come together, and block all out blitzes or block any kind of pressure, to be honest? <laughs> can, they, can they even block a four-man rush if, if asked to uh, consistently? That uh, That is what we need to see. And until we do it's going to be a question mark on whether we can actually handle that, whether Zach can handle that. Uh, and we, but now it's now or never. Can he do it? But here's the, here's the shot. Here's your chance. Yeah, it really is. No, this is the time to put up or shut up. This is, this is when you have to go be the second pick in the draft and you have to win. And if you're the New York jets as a team, this is when you have to go prove you're not the laughing stock anymore. This is when you have to go prove you're for real and that this isn't some got lucky fairy tale five and two start. And now the reality is going to set in. Things are going to come crashing down. If you're for real, if things are different, if these are not the same old jets, then you find a way to win. You find a way to succeed. And I think the advantage for them is you should know exactly what's coming. If you're the if you're the jets, you should know what Bill Belichick's going to want to do. He's going to want to send blitzes. He's going to want to send his cover zero double mug pressures where he's got nine guys up at the line of scrimmage in a straight line and no one, everyone's coming or some guys are coming or someone might be coming quick and then not. And the one thing that the Patriots do that I think is diabolical for some teams, if they don't expect this to be coming is the Patriots are smart in that when you run a zero blitz, you're never going to, they never run more than they have to, to get a free rusher at the quarterback. That's their only goal is to get one guy unblocked who gets to come in clean and gets to be a free rusher. 
So if you have a five-man protection and you don't keep anyone in your backfield to block or keep a tight end in, they're going to send six blockers and they're going to have one guy hopefully come free. If you keep six in the block and you keep one back or one tight end, they're going to send seven. If you keep in two, either two tight ends or a back in a tight end, and you have seven in your protection in a max protection situation, they are not going to send eight rushers on a seven-man protection. They're only going to send no more than seven at a time. So you're going to have some people likely as a spy, likely buzzing in the flat. Maybe if it's a cover one look, you might have a single high safety, but it's rare that they do that when they do their mug blitzes. And the other reason is that the whole point of trying to get a free rusher is most offensive lines block blitzes inside out with the theory being that if you have someone coming directly up the middle, that that is a shorter path between that defender and the quarterback than someone being outside on the edge. So they would rather have a free rusher come in from the outside than from the inside. So you're as a Patriots linebacker, if you're sitting there in that mug look over the center, your entire job is to just occupy that blocker in front of you for long enough for the guy on the edge to come free and go past him so that he can't recover. So there's no point if you're a, a linebacker coming into blitz to continue to try and blitz and rush through this guard or rush through this lineman if you have a free rusher off the edge anyway. So what the Patriots do is they'll get their linebackers in the middle and they'll bait out the rush and they'll wait for the offensive lineman to stop and stay where they are and have to respect that that linebacker might be coming and occupy them just long enough to affect the protection and have the guy off the edge come free. Then they turn around and bail out and drop over the middle and try and rob passes. Nothing against what they do when they blitz defense deep because they don't think you can block long enough to beat them deep. So if this is the week where, in my opinion, you have to spread things out first off, you can't be in your condensed formations all game. You can't have everything with inside the hashes. Take advantage of the full width of the field. Make these DBs cover a lot of grass against our fast, talented receivers and see if they can go win one on ones. And keep seven in protection, keep a tight end and a running back, or if you want to get into an empty set with a tight end on either side and keep both of them into block and they double team the edges, do whatever you got to do. But get into some max protection situations, put whoever you want in whatever favorable matchup you want uh, from the slaughter from the outside and go deep. Take advantage of Zach Wilson's arm. And if you can get a big shot on this defense, it's going to back them out. There's a uh, statistic. I don't remember where I saw it from, but it was Bill Belichick when he gives up a big explosive play early in the game and his blitz rate goes down to basically almost nothing. Where if you don't beat him with a big explosive, he's going to think, okay, play the dink and dunk game. We'll catch on to that. And eventually we'll see it coming and we'll pick it off or we'll come and we'll rally and you'll tackle and you'll still be punting. It doesn't matter. You have to back them out of this coverage. Otherwise, they'll be in it all game. Jets fans should know this very well. If you remember the Sam Darnold ghost game, this is exactly what happened. I think that's the exact game plan you're going to see against the Jets this week with Zach Wilson, with how he's handling pressure and how he's handling three rushers coming at him. And you have to expect this to be coming as Michael Flores, an offense coordinator. Do what you can to help out your offensive tackles. Don't be scared of this team. Trust your wide receiving core that's pretty dang talented and pretty dang fast to win some one-on-one -on -one matchups and see if you can't back off this defense because if you can get Bilicek out of his blitzes, then I think you can do whatever you want on offense after that. How about the run game? Because we've seen in the last couple of weeks, even with Hall in, that it takes kind of a while to really ramp up this run game. Uh, and against this defense and what they want to do against Zach, how can we get the run game going to really uh, drive home that we're still a running team and we still have talent back there? Uh, I think we can do it in a couple of ways. But the first thing I want to mention, and it might not be expected because I don't think people really think this is characteristic of Bill Belichick. The Patriots suck against the run this year. Yeah. They're, tw they're 25th <laughs> in the NFL in yards per carry at 4.9. They're averaging almost five yards a carry against them on the ground. I remember saying earlier in the show, the Jets were third at three and a half. That's a huge difference. I think you can run on this team. And I think on top of that, if you're going to have all of those guys stacked up over the middle, then if there was ever a time to put Barrios on a jet sweep, it's now. If there was yeah. ever a time to, to let Denzel Mims come in and crack on a defensive end or crack on Matt Judon to the outside, let Barrios catch it and do that little 90 degree cut that he can do and get upfield. I think you can generate some explosives. I think there's ways that you can get to the edge. And on top of that, I think the Patriots are just not that good at defending the run. 
I think eventually if you stay committed to it on early downs that you can get some chunk plays. If you run on first down and you get to second and, and, and six, that's fine. That That's a perfectly acceptable play. And I don't think that should scare you out of running the football. It's when you get stuff for losses or you get second and nine that you get into some issues. But I think they should be okay. I'm confident that the offensive line, at least in recent weeks, maybe not so much against Denver, but I think Denver's front is a lot tougher than the uh, the Patriots front right now. I think that they'll be able to get enough of a push for our backs to at least generate some positive yards in the run game. And this is another point I wanted to make, Matt. The Patriots defense is really bad on third down. Overall for the season, they are the 28th ranked team in the league in terms of percents of third downs converted by opponents that they were allowing for the season 44% of third downs to be converted against them. Now, this is the interesting thing. For the season, the Jets are 20th in that ranking. They've allowed, I think it's 41.5% third down conversion rate on the season. But that's factoring in the first three games of Joe Flacco and two of those games being really big opportunities by opposing offenses. Over the last three games in particular, so for the Jets, Miami, New, uh, Green Bay, and then against Denver, and then whoever the Patriots paid, played with Chicago. I don't remember their few games before that, but Cleveland. Patriots last three games. Cleveland was one of them, and then they had one before that. Over the last three games, the Jets are third in the NFL in opposing con- uh, third down conversion rate at 30.2% of third downs being converted against them. It's an 11.3% increase for them from where they are over the season to just over these last three games. The Patriots, meanwhile, went from 28th to 20th with an increase of 2.2% from 40 point, 44.4 to 42.2. So a negligible increase overall for the Patriots defense. Difference of one or two third downs, probably, when you're looking at the total to influence something 2.2%. That's not minor to me. But an 11% increase in going from 20th overall to third overall, that stands out to me in terms of what these defenses are doing on third down. And like you said, win the turnover battle, you win the game. I think it's the same thing with third downs as well. If you are the Jets offense, you have a defense you are playing that is susceptible to the run game, that is going to run a game plan that you know is coming, and you've seen multiple examples of how to beat it by other teams. You've also seen examples of what's not to do. You have a team that's doing very poorly on third down, and you have an opposing offense that's going to want to run the ball and throw against your defense that isn't allowing anything through the air and not allowing many third down conversions. You win this game with the Jets offense. You can win this game by being efficient. You can win this game by owning time of possession. You can win this game by drawing this defense out, making them play the whole game, make them run all over the field and defend this speed. I think running hurry ups a solid option because you're not going to be able to get in too many complicated calls or substitute if they're going to be blitzing and coming full speed all game. I think this game is winnable. And I know that there's injuries and I know that there's concerns and there's things that have to go right. But I think there's a very clear path to this game being winnable. And I think overall, still, if you're looking at the talent of these two teams, I think the Jets are the better team right now. And I think that there's a way that they can come across, come out with a win. I do too. Uh, I am quietly optimistic. Uh, I I really want to see what this team will look like against a team like the Patriots. Uh, I feel like the Patriots are built a little bit differently than a lot of the other teams we played in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they have talent, but at the same time, I feel like we have more. Uh, so yeah, it, it's difficult. Uh, I'm I'm kind of tossing and turning between whether I want to say that they're going to win or whether I think that they'll they'll at the end of the day. Not win, but I I I don't know yet. I I think my it'll be a last second decision for me when we do our predictions. Well, why don't we get into it then? I'll start off and I'll give you time to to kind of figure out where your head's at because I've been racking my brain all day and I really only kind of thought of what I was going to say really right before we started recording. And as we've talked this out, I've kind of really more kind of been confirmed in where my thought is. This is going to be a tough game. This is going to be a bloodbath. There is going to be things that go wrong. Bill Belichick backed into a corner is, is like a feral cat. You don't want to go near it. This is, is a tough, tough, tough matchup. But I also think this is what the Jets live for. I think this is what this team lives for. I think this is what they breathe for. I think this is where they are built to thrive. They love being doubted. 
They love being the underdog. They love being the villain and having the bulletin board material of getting 54 points scored on you last year, being two and a half point home underdogs when you're five and two with the third best record in the conference going against a two and five team that just got their butts handed to them on national TV, a division rival, a team that has beaten you, I think, 12 times in a row before this. I think these Jets are going to come out with their hair on fire. And I think that it's going to be a day where physical, physically the Jets overwhelm the Patriots. It's still going to be a close game. It's still going to be tough. I expect Bill to pull out all of his stops. I expect Zach to make a couple of mistakes that are crucial, that end drives or could have been big plays that were misses and, and rip your heart out. I expect him to make a couple of plays when he needs to, to keep them in the game. I expect Michael Carter to step up. I'm hoping that if they follow the game plan of don't be scared, spread things out, back this team off with its blitzes and trust that you can run the ball on early downs because this team can't defend the run. I think you can move the ball offensively. If, and this is where I'll hedge my prediction. If we get the same jets offense of underneath screens, pop passes over the middle, condensed formations, everything's tight, everything's together. And we're still trying to bang our heads against the wall and do the same thing that isn't working. This might be a long day, but I think these jets are smarter than that. I think our coaches are smarter than that. I think these players want to win that badly. And I think the defense can do enough at the end of the day. And the special teams can do enough at the end of the day to keep them in it. In a very, very close game. I am predicting 17, 13 jets. I think they're going to do just enough. I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be ugly. They might have to come back at some point in the game. But right now I'm looking at these two teams. I see how the Jets are playing. I see how the Patriots are playing. I know they have some controversy dealing with their quarterback situation. Apparently Belichick had said that the plan all all along was to play both quarterbacks and no one else on the offense that was asked after the game said that that was even a discussion. So you have an opportunity to strike them when they're vulnerable. I think the Jets know that. I think they love playing the underdog. Like I said, I think they're going to do enough to get this win and set themselves up for the bye. You got a tough game against the bills, but I don't think anyone's expecting them to win that. I'm perfectly, perfectly happy with six and three going into the bye. All right. Um, I'm not as optimistic. I don't see a coaching staff that really gets off the hot starts uh, with really dynamic game plans. Usually it takes a while for them to build up their their uh, strength and what they want to do, and usually that shows in the second half. I don't think the Patriots are going to allow us to get to the second half uh, unscathed. I think that they're going to be up on us at right at the start, they're aggress- being aggressive both on offense and defense. Uh, and I think that it's going to be a little difficult to stop. I think we'll find our groove. Uh, but I think that what they pull out in the first half will kind of dictate what the game will be like. I am going to say 23-17 Patriots. I can see it. If the offense doesn't adjust and you get some interceptions potentially early or some some bad three and outs and you know one missed tackle and Ramadre Stevenson up the sideline, I can see it. Like I said, this is going to be a tough game. I don't think this is going to be... I don't think either team is going to run away with this game. And what's funny, uh, was recording, uh, mentioned believe in jets earlier with Lamont Jordan was recording with him earlier today. And we always end our show with our, our prop bets of the week. And his bet was that for plus plus one twenty-five, that know that there would not be a team that would score three straight times. And I think that defines the game is that this is going to be an evenly matched game where I think you're going to have opportunities where you might have one team score and it's four possessions or five possessions before anybody else scores again. And 23, 17, I I could very well see it. I think you might even be a little too high scoring to be honest. Maybe it's possible. Yeah. Either way, we're hoping for the best. We got some things to clean up, but Looking good, even at worst, five and four going into the bye is still significantly better than anybody would have expected. It's certainly not 0 and 9 like some people may have thought when everyone's going, where's their first win? Where's their first win? We haven't had to worry about that. I'm hoping it'll continue for the future. 
hoping Zach Wilson steps up and I'm hoping that the Jets will be looking, uh, looking at the future and expecting some playoff aspirations coming into this year. That's the hope. Uh, I like how we're already counting the Bills game as a loss. Uh, but most I'm, likely, yeah. <laughs> I'm preparing myself now. They haven't lost in so long. It's going to hurt so much when it actually happens that I'm just sitting here. Just let me just assume that's going to happen now because if and when by some miracle it does, then I'll be ecstatic. And if not, then I was preparing for it. It's like Baltimore week one. I had all summer to know that was going to happen. Exactly. It, it, it's kind of inevitable. And yeah, the, 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 the sooner we get used to the idea of us actually losing again, uh, the, it was probably the better because I don't think we're going undefeated. I doubt we're going undefeated. In fact, I'd probably bet money that we're not going undefeated uh, from this point forward. I'd so take that bet. I'd, I, I, it's more than likely going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, let's just enjoy it while, while we got it. And we've got a chance this week to to keep going. Yeah, no, this week is winnable. And I think that's important is that while we're both sitting here kind of already assuming a loss against Buffalo the week after this week right now against the New England Patriots, I think is very winnable. And hopefully the streak can continue to to ride. I would love to say that the Jets had a five game win streak at some point at any time in my lifetime, because I don't remember the last time I could say that. Well, was it 2015? I think it was before that. Did they really win five that. in a row in 2015? I don't know if it was in a row. I would, they, they, they did have like a five and two start, I believe, though. They had. But yeah, it might not yeah. have been in a row. Though. Either way, Either. any Jets win is always savorable because it doesn't always happen so often, except for this year where it seems to be the opposite. I'm hoping they'll be able to continue the trend. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you guys are following the show at OKD Podcast. Matt, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And you can follow me as well at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. We will be back next week. Hopefully review a Jets win. The streak has yet to be broken. And I'm hoping that we will be able to continue with the streak of wins when we get back and record again. All I can say, it's going to be tough. We've lost some very, very crucial players. Wishing all the best to Elijah Vera Tucker and Brees Hall in the future. Wishing that the rest of the Jets have an opportunity to step up and stake their claim. And screw the Patriots. Thank you guys so much. Screw the Patriots.